Open your Bibles, if you could, to Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2. I want to speak this morning uh, about uh, where you stand and I stand. We talked all month uh, about family, a work in progress, but it, it really doesn't do you any good for your family to be successful if you're not a part of the family of God. Amen? So uh, our life is riddled with uh, different decisions and, and different things that have consequences in our life, and we all fall into uh, several categories, but I want to talk about two of them this morning. Genesis chapter number 2 and verse 15. This is right after God created Adam and Eve. And the scripture says that the Lord took the man, put him in the garden, and, and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. Number one, if you're taking notes, and I always encourage you to take notes. If it's electronic or on paper, I prefer to take notes on paper. And then I find myself having, you know, piles and piles of journals and books. And I'm always looking for what I wrote down. But when I find it, it makes it that much better. If you're taking notes, number one is this. There is a place of blessing for you. The Bible says that God took Adam and put him in the garden. He placed him in the garden. Another example would be Joseph. Joseph was surrounded by his family that tried to murder him. They threw him into a pit and then they sold him as a slave. But God had a place of blessing for him called Egypt. Now, Egypt was not a place where Hebrews did well at the time, but God had a way. He had a tactic where the Bible says that he will uh, spread out a table or a banquet before you in the presence of your enemies. Sometimes you need an enemy around so God can get the buffet ready. But there's a place of blessing for you. Uh, New Heights Church is a powerful place of blessing. We have countless testimonies about what, is, uh, what has happened in people's life. And if this is the place for you, bless God, we want you to lock arms with us. But if it's not, glory to God, I want you to find your place of blessing. There's a place. Now, God also told Adam, he said, I want you to dress it. I want you to, and he didn't say, I'll go take some clothing and put it on the trees. That's not what he's talking about. King James is an older translation. I just prefer it because it's what I grew up memorizing and several other reasons. But he said, I need you to dress it. So even when you find yourself in the place of blessing that God has for you, you still have to work your land. God said that he gave man the power to get wealth, the power to increase. He did not say that I made man and I'm going to show up at his door with truckloads of gold bullion and I'm going to dump it on his front step. He didn't say that at all. He said, I'm going to give you the power to increase. Even when you are in the place of blessing for your family, even when you're in the place of blessing for yourself, you still have to work your land. I had uh, several friends growing up that uh, were great uh, athletes and I was around them a, a lot and some of them went on to play uh, professional sports. But I'll be honest with you, some of the most talented ones never made it to that level because they never worked their land. They had all the talent in the world, but they didn't do anything with it. That when they were sleeping till 11 o'clock, somebody was out there at 5 o'clock uh, uh, running and, and lifting weights and uh, uh, doing all the things necessary to work their land. So even when you are in a place of blessing, even when you're in a place where, you know, you know God has put you, listen, I'm just telling you, I've been in this thing long enough, you've got to work your land. We have a little garden, and it's very interesting we plant uh, several things, green beans and tomatoes are, are a couple of them. 
Uh, but as they begin to grow, something very interesting happens. Weeds always grow right beside them. I didn't plant the weeds. My sweet wife didn't plant the weeds. My children didn't plant the weeds. No, you don't have to plant the weeds in your life. But if you want that garden to be successful, you're going to need somebody to dress that thing and make sure what should not be growing in the garden gets pulled out before it chokes out what should be growing in the garden. He said, Adam, I'm going to put you in a place of blessing, but I need you to work your land. And the Lord God commanded, everybody say commanded, commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you can freely eat. And that's the first time we see God giving mankind a command. And I find it very interesting that He immediately, and the first thing He does, is command a blessing over His life. He says, I'm telling you, you can eat anything you want because you're my son. My children don't walk to the dinner table at our house and ask, Crystal or me if they are allowed to eat that day because I would say no <laughs> no there are kids there are children we long to bless them we long to take care of them they can freely eat of everything in the house they can have everything that they want it's it's, it's theirs if they want it but that doesn't mean there's not rules and regulations in the house you want to live in our house, you're going to do some things. You want to live in our house, you're going to talk a certain way. You want to live in our house, you're not going to talk a certain way. If you want to experience the fullness of what it means to live in our house, then there are some statutes, there are some precepts that you're going to have to follow if you want to experience all of the Father's promises. God continues to tell him, he says, listen, I'm commanding a blessing over you. You can eat everything that you want except but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll not eat of it. For in the day that you eatest thereof, you will surely die. If God did not give us choices, we would not be able to love Him the way He loves us. If God did not give us choices, you see, He could have made us any way He wanted. He could have made us without the ability to choose. But then we'd be like a bunch of robots that were just programmed to do things. No, we're not programmed into this thing. We're pre-wired into this thing. You have the choice to determine whether or not you're going to follow after God or whether or not you're going to do your own thing. He told him, he said, Adam, I'm commanding a blessing over you, and there's only one precept. Now, get this. You and I, if we want to talk about the law, we effectively have ten big ones that God told Moses. Adam and Eve only had one. Don't eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because if you do, you're going to die. Adam and Eve probably walked through that garden a thousand times. We don't know how many uh, trees were in the garden. We don't know exactly what kind of fruit was there, but it was enough that Adam was required to work the land and take care of things and to, uh, uh, the Bible said, subdue the earth and take dominion over the whole thing. So he was literally in charge of the whole operation and he saw all these other wonderful trees and God had given him so much, but, but, but he only told him, he said, just don't eat this one, just, just don't eat from this one tree. And the Lord God said, it's not good that man should live alone. That's another sermon. Turn over to Genesis chapter number 3. He said, listen to me. He said, don't eat this fruit out of this one tree or you're going to die. 
Eight verses later, your adversary, the devil, shows up and begins to talk out of the side of his mouth like he always does. Number two, you have an adversary. The, the, the worst thing that you could do in this life with regards to living a victorious Christian life is to stick your head in the sand like an ostrich and act like something doesn't exist. You have an adversary. He doesn't like you. He's not going to like you tomorrow. He comes to you to try to steal, to kill, and to destroy anything that God places in your life. But uh, uh, our adversary is not better than the one who sits at the right hand of the Father who's constantly making intercession for us. But eight verses later, the devil shows up. So what I'm trying to tell you is you can be in the place of blessing. You can be right where God tells you to be. You can be serving God. You say, listen, I go to church 16 times a week. I, I pray every single day. I, I, I pray with my kids. I do all these things. I, I'm, in, I'm telling you, I am where God has called me to be. And, and you're up early with the chickens. And you're getting everything done. And you're dressing your garden. You're working your land. You're getting everything done. But I'm just here to let you know, even in that situation, the enemy will still show up. The Bible says that you and me are to be wise as serpents but harmless as doves. Eight verses after God has placed them where they are, given them the command that He wants to bless them, and only gave them one regulation, here comes the enemy. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And He said unto the woman, Has God said you should not eat of every tree of the garden? The devil's going to come to your, into your uh, mind and talk to you. Now, he's not going to knock on the door with his pitchfork and go, Hey, by the way, I'm the devil. What he's going to do is he's going to take a fiery dart, just a little thought, just a little seed, I would call it, and he's going to throw it at you, and he's going begin, to begin to talk to you, and he's going to be going to say, How come they uh, have this much and I only have this much? How come I'm dealing with this thing, but they're not dealing with that thing? He'll begin to try to get your attention on what you don't have, and he'll be able to, and you won't be able to focus on all the things that God has already done for you. Every tree in the garden, you want a pear, boom. You want a banana, you want an apple, you want a peach, you want a lime, you want a lemon. What do you want, Adam? Have everything you want. You and Eve, go eat all the stuff you want. And all of a sudden, there's one tree in the garden and the devil comes and points out the one tree. It's easy to see if it's the Lord or the devil uh, that's trying to whisper into your ear because if it's causing you to be bitter, if it's causing you to be jealous, if it's causing you to be looking at somebody else as if they've attained something that you cannot attain, then in that moment and only in that moment can you recognize when the enemy begins to speak to you, you need to rise up in your inner man and say, shut your mouth in the name of Jesus. No, we're not going about this thing haphazard. We're going to spend all day counting our blessings and I'm not going to start looking and focusing on the stuff that I don't have yet because I'll tell you this much, in my life, it's a yet. The Bible says there is a season and there is a time for everything. There's things that I want and I don't mind telling you. I believe in the name of Jesus that my children are going to be so blessed that their next generation is going to be even more blessed than they are. But there is a season and a time for this thing. If my children, uh, I, I think it'd be a little early if my little Trinity Bell at four years old uh, released the number one uh, Christian worship album. I don't think she could handle the pressure. I think it, it, it's, it's seven. My little boy just turned seven. 
I was going to tell y'all about his birthday, but I'm not. <laughs> well, I'll tell y'all. All he wanted to do, I mean, it's just us, right? All he wanted to do was go hog hunting. So bless God, we went hog hunting. And he got two of those things. Big nasty suckers. I said, I said man, what do you want to do with these hogs? I said, I want to eat them. I said, well, bless God, we'll eat them. He said, he said, he said wait, wait, no, no, we've got the hogs laying there. He said, Daddy, I should have brought a picture. I'm not going to show a picture. But he, he said, Daddy, he said, can we prop it up like they do on TV and let me hold the gun? I said, you better believe it, buddy. But I think it'd be a little early for him to have a church with about 800,000 members at seven years old. I think that'd just be a little early. But there's a season and there's a time for everything. So if the enemy's coming and he's talking about what you don't have, listen, you just need to remind yourself what you do have. When, if, 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 when Eve heard that, if she'd have just gone, listen, I'm not worried about one tree. Look at all these other trees God gave me. I'm not worried about all these other trees. Look at all, this one tree. Look at all these other trees God gave me. And the woman said unto the serpent, Now wait a minute. Uh, we can eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, Don't eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Number three, you cannot reason with temptation. Temptation, if it can't get you to immediately take part, it will get you to try to negotiate. Temptation has to be dealt with like you deal with a puppy. Don't touch it because you'll want to take it home. Or a kitten. No, 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 not a kitten. No, I, I, I'm kidding. I, I do like cats. I like them chicken fried. I like them baked. <laughs> they have soft fur. Make nice mittens. <laughs> Don't email me, cat lovers. We have three cats at our house right now. Because you never know. If Y2K comes about, we're going to need something to eat. <laughs> Crystal said, I need to stop. You wouldn't eat our dog, would you? <laughs> but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said, don't eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. God said, one chapter before this, we just read it, don't eat it. He did not say, don't touch it. I believe this is the first picture of man-made religion entering into humanity. God has precepts, and we are to follow them. But just because somebody said it doesn't mean God said it. There are people right now that are good Christian people that are living in bondage because they have believed something that somebody with the name pastor or reverend or something like that has taught them. But in reality, it's no more the Word of God than me standing on my head would be the Word of God right now. 
If God said it, you follow it. You follow it with diligence. You don't let it become a religious problem with you because whenever you slip and mess up, you have an, you have an advocate who's constantly making intercession for you with the Father. The Bible says that you are His child and none of your children would you throw away and He's not about to throw you away. But you've got to get to the place where you don't allow man-made religion to put separations on what you can and can't do for the kingdom of God. Eve said, we're not even allowed to touch it. Now, wait a minute, Eve. I'm not mad at you. But God just said, don't eat it. Somebody might have been necessary to knock the bugs off the tree. Somebody might have been necessary to prune the thing. I don't know. But what we do know is there's a lot of people locked in bondage, locked in religious chains, because they've bought into some idea that God never said. Give God a hand of praise right there. We're not going to be religious. We're going to press towards the mark for the prize, but we are not going to be religious in the name of Jesus. And the serpent said unto the woman, now granted, she shouldn't have been uh, reasoning with him, but the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Now, just because something is said with great conviction does not mean that it is true. Uh, over the next few days, we're going to have uh, some, the caucuses will begin uh, in Iowa and other states over the next few weeks. And listen, every candidate is going to say what they think they need to say to get somebody to vote for them. But just because somebody says it with great conviction does not mean it is accurate. No, the only thing that will, not re that will not return void in your life is the Bible, the Word of the living God. So when somebody says something to you, you've got to get good at running it through the litmus test that says, what's the Word say? I've had people prophesy to me. I'm talking people that, that I, I, I relatively trust. I've had people come and say, oh, God said this, God said this. And it was in direct contrast to what the Word of God said. And I don't embarrass anybody. I try not to anyway. But, but at the same time, I'm telling, I've already got my Word from God. It starts in Genesis and it ends in Revelation. And I'm happy if you can say something that agrees with that. But if you tell me something that doesn't line up with that Bible, I'm not going with you. You didn't die for me. It doesn't matter how emphatically somebody says it. The devil just said, oh, you won't die. He doesn't even explain his position until the next verse. He says, you won't even die. For God knows in the day thereof, then your eyes will be open and you'll be as God's, knowing good from evil, knowing good from evil. Your eyes will be open. My children's eyes, I remember, one of, I remember when they begin to open. They open in layers. But they don't know. A baby doesn't know it does something wrong. A baby doesn't know that their eyes of their understanding have not, have not been opened yet. I'll give you an example, and I'll try to. Uh, I didn't realize Crystal was going to be in here today. I might not have used this example. Just kidding. We were riding in the car. It was about a year ago. And my, my little boy, Walker Lee, so he was five or six. And, and he, the, the kids began to sing the song uh, like uh, Johnny, Johnny, Bobani, Banana, Fana, Fofani, Fee, Fi, Fo, Fani, Johnny. And it was like, it was like, they were just loving it. Daddy, daddy, bo-baddy, banana, fanna, fo-fatty. I'm like, you call me fatty. <laughs> They're doing it. It's all wonderful. 
And then he sang the same song. He goes, car, car, bobar, banana, fana, fofar, fee, fi, fofar, car. And then he goes, truck. <laughs> Sing it, Matt. <laughs> and and I, I'm sitting there, and Chris, I'm driving, and Chris is sitting there, and we're just, and all of a sudden, he, he, he rhymes it out just right. He didn't miss a bit. And we both went, woo. <laughs> and we had a moment where we had to make a decision. Because he had no clue what he had said. He didn't mean anything by it. Listen, the eyes of his understanding had not been opened. That's where Adam and Eve were. There was no restriction. The only restriction they had is just don't eat any of this fruit, guys. That's it. Their eyes had not been opened. They didn't know. Listen, with your children, you got to be really wise about when they're doing something that needs discipline and when they do something that needs to be ignored. Sometimes you can draw attention to something that wasn't anything until you drew attention to it. So we just kept driving. And I said, I, I said, man, I, that's pretty good. So I started singing it. No, I didn't. <laughs> I said, man, that's interesting. But the devil tells him, he said, you're going to be like God. Eyes you understand to be open. And, but, but I want to I point this out. Number four, the devil never told them to eat the fruit. He just planted the seed. A seed is the most powerful thing on the planet. The Bible says that Jesus is like a seed that was put into the earth and three days later he came out of that thing with resurrection power. A seed is the most powerful thing in your possession. You can sow seed in the area of your time, in the area of your family. You can sow seed in the area of your romance for your, for your uh, marriage. You can sow seed in the area of, of prayer time. You can sow seed with your finances. You can sow seed in every area. A seed is the most powerful thing because you can count how many uh, uh, seeds are in an apple but you can't count how many apples are in a seed a seed is extremely powerful so what the devil does is he doesn't always come and try to tell you what to do he'll just try to drop a seed in your yard he'll just try to drop a seed in your garden he'll just try to drop a seed in your thought patterns and how many of you know it's a lot easier to take an acorn and pick it up off the ground and throw it out of your yard than it is to wait 45 years and now you've got a 45-year-old oak tree sitting there and you've got to uproot the thing, you've got to dig the thing out, you've got to take dynamite to kill the roots. You've got to do all kind of stuff because you didn't deal with a little old bitty acorn. In other words, a seed is the most powerful thing that can come into your life. When the enemy throws that fiery dart, that little seed, you've got to get it out of there. You can't sit there and worry about it. You can't sit there and uh, negotiate with it. You can't sit there and talk through it. You can't sit there and come up with an idea as to why you shouldn't do it. If it's against the Word of God, you shouldn't do it, period. You just move on it. You begin to get aggressive in the, in the kingdom. You begin to get aggressive in your life for God. You begin to move like God has called us to move. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her. Everybody say with her. Eve didn't do this alone, guys. Adam was right there. And he did eat. It was pleasant to the eyes. He's never going to tempt you with something you don't like. 
If you're prone to gossip, guess who wants to be your best friend? Brother Bucket Mouth. If you're prone to being offended, guess who wants to be your best friend? Sister Sandpaper. No matter how she rubs you, it's always the wrong way. It's going to be something that's pleasant or desirable to you. Gentlemen, pay attention. Just because it was a perfume that, that smelled good, you shouldn't give two looks. Oh, that's good preaching for such a young man. I agree. Glory to God. I say that too many times. A lady's going to be running around here. Glory to God. You tell those old men. Well, listen, ladies. You quit comparing your husband to your friend's husband. He might not be all that in a bag of chips. She might just talk good about him because she's trying to honor her husband in your presence. Glory to God. I'll tell you what, Pastor. <laughs> preach that all day and twice on Sunday. It's going to be something that's desiresome to you. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made aprons. They took what God had given them and tried to cover up what they felt like was exposed. In your life, in my life, we're going to have seasons where we go through things. We, we miss the mark. The scripture later goes on to say that they heard the voice of God walking in the cool of the day, uh, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife and themselves were the presence of the Lord uh, God among them. They hid themselves. They hid themselves. They hid themselves. When you miss the mark, I'm just here to let you know you can't hide from God. You've got to run to the one because he's the only one who can clean you. He's the only one who can wash you. He's the only one who'll never leave you. He's the only one who'll never forsake you. He's the one. They took fig leaves and they sewed aprons. And they came up with a cooking show. <laughs> See, that's the problem in my mind. I'm sitting there trying to preach to you guys. I don't know if it's ADD or what, but I'm trying to preach to you guys. And I got this picture of fig aprons and it's like, a, like Adam and Eve doing a cooking show. And I don't know, maybe it'd be called Eating and Eating. I don't know. Maybe it'd be called Recipes of the Forbidden, of the forbidden Fruit. <laughs> The problem was they couldn't find anybody to run the camera. They were the only ones. Not much of a viewership. <laughs> Thank you, babe. Maybe that's where the A and E channel came from. Adam and Eve, I don't know. Everybody say, get off of it. Okay, I'll get off of it. They took aprons and they made them. Here's the deal. God was in right standing, or man was in right standing with God for 15 verses in our Bible. 15 verses. 15 verses. And the rest of it was written to try to rescue you and me. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, when they ate the fruit that God had told them not to eat, the greatest plan in all, huma in all of humanity, the greatest plan in all of humanity, was put in motion. 
The Bible says Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus is not plan B. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody, not Adam, not Eve, nobody comes to the Father but through Him. That's it. He is the door, the Bible says, that you and I must pass through. We're going to go through life and we're going to be tempted. Number four, what number are we on? Number four? Number five. Temptation is not sin. Stop beating yourself up just because the same thoughts circle back through your mind. Even Jesus Christ was tempted. Whenever he was baptized, the Bible says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. He was tempted just like you and me in all areas, the Bible says. Even Christ was tempted, and we know he never sinned. Temptation is not sin. If you don't hear anything else today, just because you're tempted does not mean you're wrong. Listen, it's what you do with it that matters. When that thing comes in, you elevate the shield of faith, and it will quench those fiery darts. But don't you spend the rest of the week beating yourself up because the devil tempted you. That's like being mad because the bully punched you or or down on yourself because the bully punched you. He's a bully. It's what he does. You didn't do anything wrong because you're tempted. Listen, I, I never give. I got that word about 10 years ago. We were in church. We were over in uh, North Houston. And, and I don't know if you've ever been to Houston, but I'm allergic to Houston personally. <laughs> I had to drive like 45 minutes one way to my office most mornings. And that was if there was no traffic. If there was traffic, it was like, oh, bless God, what's happening? And so I'm driving... And, and every day, not some days, every single day, every single day, I wanted to tell the person that cut me off exactly what I thought about them. I was going to use words like Crystal uses when she's frying eggs. Hey, baby, give me one of those eggs. Maybe that's for a Walker guy. Y'all know her. She doesn't talk like that. I mess with her because I love her. But I'm always just, every morning I'm driving and I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed with the desire. I want it to be ugly. I mean, I mean ugly, like, like, like R-rated word, ugly, like rawr. And I had a thought, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm doing everything I can do. I walk in the peace that passes all understanding, but I'm not feeling it. Glory to God. I don't know what's going on. And I'm just so tempted. I'm like, man. And then all of a sudden, I'm at church one day, and the pastor says, temptation to sin is not sin. I thought, wait a minute. He says, as a matter of fact, when you're tempted... And you refuse, uh, you refuse to take part, you have the victory in that moment. And I thought, well, I haven't said no to that temptation every time. But most of the time I did. Maybe I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Maybe I am blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Even Jesus was tempted. Your first thought is not your resp- what you're responsible for. You're responsible for what you do with that thought. Jesus is tempted by the serpent. Eve is tempted by the serpent, Adam and Eve. Jesus was told to make himself something to eat. And the devil talked to Adam and Eve about what they were going to eat. When you recognize temptation, you can't negotiate with it. Eve began to try to negotiate with the devil. Try to reason with the enemy. 
You can't reason with the enemy of God. He's against you. He is your adversary. You can't hesitate with temptation. Jesus immediately rebutted with authority every temptation that the devil put on him. And you cannot tolerate temptation in your life. You would never go to bed if you knew there was a snake under the sheets. You wouldn't tolerate it. Some good friends of ours had a snake come into their house one time, and, and they couldn't find it. Big old black sucker, and it was just hiding and running. They'd see it every now and then. Finally, they had to call a specialist to come, and they put out these sticky traps, and they got the snake out of their house. But listen, when, when there's a snake in your house, you don't have any peace, and you need, to, you need to get that snake out of your house. When temptation comes in, you just got to throw it out. No, you can't, you can't deal with the enemy of God like you deal with somebody who wants to reason with you. You're not going to talk him out of it. Listen, uh, Lester Summerall, one of, our great benef- one of our great heroes of faith, he used to yell and fuss and scream at the devil. And one time he was asked, why do you yell at the devil so much? He said, because I'm reminding him and I'm reminding me who he is and who I am. Sometimes you've got to speak to the enemy like he, is a, like he is a defeated foe. He is under your feet, the Bible says. You feel that temptation coming in? You don't hesitate with it? Oh, why don't you get some of this fruit? You mean to tell me God told you you can't eat off of that tree? Yeah, but he gave us all these other trees, devil. Shut your mouth. You know, if God really loved you, you'd have a job that you liked and you'd have a job. He supplies my needs according to his riches and glory. I'm not listening to you, devil. Shut your mouth. She doesn't love you like she used to. She used to fix your glass of sweet tea just how you like it. Now you're lucky if you get a bottle of water thrown at you when you're not looking. <laughs> Shut your mouth, devil. She is the fairest among 10,000. I will pursue her like Christ pursues me. You know, he used to never leave his socks laying around. Now he leaves them everywhere. And who does he think I am? A maid? I don't understand it. I work too. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. All those thoughts start coming. He said, no, 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 devil. That right there, he's like a deer leaping from mountain to mountain. Don't picture it. God help us. He's like a deer leaping from mountain to mountain. Somebody's like, what kind of deer? (laughs) No, you don't tolerate that stuff. You don't mess with that temptation. Temptation turns to sin, and sin will make a fool out of you. But really, we're all somewhere in the flux. We're all somewhere in the balance between a tale of two gardens. Adam was placed in a garden. Jesus, on his way to the cross, walked into a garden to pray. Adam was found guilty in the garden and thrown out. Jesus was falsely accused in the garden and walked out. Adam was banished because of what he had done. Jesus lawfully could walk in because he'd never done anything wrong. Adam took fig leaves to cover up all of his shame. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus cursed a fig tree as if to say, 
I don't need your leaves because there's nothing I have to hide. I have held the line. Adam was told, don't eat the fruit. And he plucked from the tree what was not his to take. Jesus was nailed to a tree to take what should have been yours. It's a tale of two gardens. The first one, you have no say in. We're all born in sin, the Bible says. You don't have a choice. You need a Savior. The second garden experience was Jesus praying. Praying about what was about to happen. I believe you were on His mind that day. Sometimes what will cause you to endure is who you know will benefit from the action. One time we had a snake in our backyard. I didn't even know about it. Crystal texts me a picture of a dead snake hanging over a shovel. It's a pretty long one too. And Crystal is like oil and water with any bug or critter. So for there to be a snake and she killed it, I was like, what world is this? And I called her. I said, you kill that snake? She said, yeah. I said, how? I said, with a shovel. I thought you don't like snakes. She said, I wasn't going to allow it to hurt my babies. Jesus endured everything because he knew what it was going to mean for you and for me. You have an opportunity today to settle in the first garden experience where all of our poor decisions culminate to a place where by our own actions we have to be separated from God. Or you can choose the option, the way, the truth, and the life. You can choose Jesus, the second garden experience, where He went and reversed Everything that sin had placed on mankind with his very own sacrifice. No, I can't make the decision for you. Believe me, I would have. God didn't design you so that he would make the decision for you. Because then it wouldn't be your choice. He has positioned you in a place where you can choose to benefit from His Son's sacrifice instead of being bound by His first man's decision. Stand to your feet, please. I'm done teaching.